So we are doing uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 6, Chapter 10. Uh, this is the battle between the demigods and Vrittasura. Sri Sukhdev Goswami said, After instructing Indra in this way, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Hari, the cause of the cosmic manifestation, then and there disappeared from the presence of the onlooking demigods. So in the last chapter we had studied about how Krishna himself has to give instructions to Indra. So King Parikshit following the Lord's instruction, the demigods approached Dadichi, the son of Atharva. He was very liberal and when they begged him to give them his body, he at once partially agreed. However, just to hear religious instructions from them, he smiled and jokingly spoke as follows. His bones are supposed to be used for killing that demon. So, they have approached Dadichi. So, now what does he say? O elevated demigods, at the time of death, severe unbearable pain takes away the consciousness of all living entities who have accepted material bodies. Do you know about this pain? In this material world, Every living entity is very much addicted to his material body. Struggling to keep his body forever, everyone tries to protect it by all means, even as the sacrifice of all his possessions. Therefore, who would be prepared to deliver his body to anyone, even if they are demanded by Lord Vishnu? We are so much you know, used to our own bodies that, and we have got used to this so much that even a little pain is unbearable to human beings. And think about a pain where you have to, you know, give your body for a sacrifice. Just like the case of Dadichi over here, they are the case of Jesus also who was put on the cross. It's a very tremendous amount of, you know, discomfort and pain that is there for every human being. So Dadichi is telling him that do you know what kind of pain that a person goes through because at the end of it, Everybody is so much bothered about their own body. Just imagine one pinprick can cause us so much of pain and here you have to, you know, chop your body up and... So it is going to be very, very painful. Any which way for every human being at the time of death, the problem lies with the amount of pain that a person goes through. So let us say if a person is undergoing a treatment of cancer or something like that, definitely there is a tremendous amount of you know, personal pain and injury and all that. So, those who are too... The demigods replied, O exalted Brahmana, pious persons like you, whose activities are praiseworthy, are very kind and affectionate to people in general. Why can't such pious souls give us the benefit of others? They can give everything, including their bodies. Those who are too self-interested beg something from others, not knowing of others' pain. But if the beggar knew the difficulty of the giver, he would not ask for anything. Similarly, he who is able to give charity does not know the beggar's difficulty. For otherwise, he would not refuse to give the beggar anything he might want as charity. See, even when we are offering something to a beggar, we hardly have any idea what the beggar is actually going through. 
what we think is we are only thinking from our point of view that i am giving so when the person feels that i am giving he doesn't know what pain the other person is actually going through which is what happens in our material world also and in the same way if the beggar sees that you are going through a tremendous amount of pain he rather makes he doesn't make his you know uh, he doesn't ask for that from you anymore because he considers you incapable of handling that kind of a charity the great saint dajiji said just to hear from you about the religious principles i refuse to offer my body at your request now although my body is extremely dear to me i must give it up for a better purpose since i know that it will leave me today or tomorrow now just because you people are trying to teach me how what kind of religious principles a saint or a sage or a brahmana is supposed to have i don't want to give you because of that you know it is very important that we have to have humility but humility doesn't mean that you teach the person who is giving you that kind of a sacrifice and say okay you think you are doing a great favor to me you are actually getting a favor from somewhere else this kind of talk is not expected so dadichi says that words but then he says but this is for a greater cause that's why i'm going to give or demigods one who has no compassion for humanity in its suffering and does not sacrifice the impermanent body for the higher causes of religious principles or eternal glory is certainly pitied even by the immovable beings see what is the most important quality a person needs to have a person needs to have something which is called compassion see every great sage a saint a god a demigod needs to be very very compassionate compassionate and that is the reason why buddha mahavira and all these people are considered very highly compassionate beings jesus christ it was he was purely compassion he never said to anybody i'm going to show you if i go to heaven he never said those words when he was on the cross on the contrary he said forgive them lord for they do not know what they are doing which is talking about great love and compassion even in the worst case scenario they were very kind and nice again when sri krishna was hurt with the bow with that arrow he never said anything to that uh, um, person who hit him with the arrow on the contrary he said you go home and take take off from here don't worry about me i will be fine please go from here and everything is fine you can take off so that is compassion compassion to that level where you feel one with that other person and you feel nice about the whole issue you are not doing it because it's going to raise your ego you are doing it because of the goodness of the heart everybody needs to have the goodness of the heart so if you don't have any compassion for humanity in its suffering and does not sacrifice the impermanent body for the higher cause he is certainly to be pitied so such kind of person who cannot do I have any compassion for the living creatures is not worthy enough for the pity of anybody if one is unhappy to see the distress of other living beings and happy to see their happiness his religious principles are appreciated as imperishable by exalted persons who are considered pious and benevolent when you see the distress of another person when you see another person in tremendous amount of pain and 
is going through a lot of distress you need to feel bad about it because you should you should feel you know you need to help such a type of a person you need to pity him you need to help him out you need to get him out of that problem that is the most important part of compassion so but when the other person is happy you should be happy in his happiness what happens is when the other person is happy you are feeling mighty you know this thing about it why should that person be happy see i am not happy at this moment so we are such kind of people where we do not like to see happiness in some other person we would rather be happy no a compassionate being is always happy when the other person is happy as well and he is sad and he tries to help out and be very compassionate to the person who is in trouble these are the qualities of a very good and an exalted person this body which is eatable by jackals and dogs after death does not actually do any good for me the spirit soul it is usable only for a short time and may perish at any moment the body and its possessions it riches and relatives must be engaged for the benefit of others or else they will be source of tribulation and misery what is this body useful for the body is of absolutely no use you know till the time you are alive the body is useful but once you are dead the body is useless it has no value per se so you will find that there are lots of people who donate their organs or stuff like that you know in this world we have these kind of things going on so body has its uses only when a person is alive when the person is dead the body has no use so what dadichi is saying is see this body is perishable so why can i not offer this body for something good that is going to come out in this world so let me offer it to you it is usable only for a short time the body is usable only for a few years of your life that a person lives it is usable for a short time and can perish any moment any moment the the life can go out of a person i mean yesterday i heard about a young boy a young man who was he was i mean he was in his prime of his life he was just around 31 32 years and he was fine absolutely though he was suffering from a serious disease which was cured but out of the blue just out of the blue he had a heart attack and he died so how did that happen now at that point in time you will wonder when does life stay in a person can can you say when it's going to go away nobody has any clue about it so why not use the body for the highest purpose that is needed so we need to be compassionate we need to be kind we need to be loving to people we need to feel their pain we need to be happy when they are happy and if there is a need that you have to sacrifice your body for a greater purpose you should sacrifice the body and its possessions the riches and the relatives all these riches all these relatives whether it is you know any kind of relative whether it is a husband a wife a child a mother a father or any relative that is there what use are those relatives when you are just about to die okay there are number of stories which talk about the kind of relationship that a person goes through so when riches and relatives are two things which do not stay with the person at all uh, there is a story in the in the jatakas in in, in the buddhist tales that once upon a time there was 
a person who comes to Buddha and says, you know, my family loves me so much. My mother, my father, my children, my wife, everybody loves me so much. And Buddha has explained to him that nobody loves anybody in this world. Everybody is in their own way. Everybody is bothered about their own self. So at that point in time, the person gets very infuriated by the answer of Buddha. And he says to Buddha, I'm sorry, my wife and my child and my mother and father and everybody is very, very interested. How can you talk like that? So he says, you know, if you want, we can try out an experiment. So he says, you know, I will give you a medicine which will put you to sleep. You will appear dead to these people. And you can, you can hear everything that they are saying. I will come at that time and I will do something and you can hear the words. So the next morning, the person takes that medicine and he lies in the bed supine. Everybody thinks he is dead because there is no heartbeat. Meanwhile, Buddha comes over there and Buddha comes and he says to them, he asks, everybody is crying, the mother, the child, the wife, everybody is crying around. So he asks them, what is the problem? So they say that uh, my husband who was hale and hearty is dead. So he says, um, let me check him out. And he checks him out and he says, you know, uh, he's not yet dead. You see, the thing is, I can bring him back to life if need be. But only one person from you has to take his place. Then he will be alive and that other person who takes his place will be dead. I am a magician, I am a Buddha, you know that, no? So, he asks his mother, the man's mother, says, are you willing to take the place? Do you want to die so that your son can be alive? So, the mother says to him, I'm sorry, you know, uh, I have this house to look after. There are children and there is everybody in this world. I'm, I don't think I would like to take his place. So, he goes and asks the wife. The wife says the same thing. She says, you see, I have a child. Who is going to take care of the child? You see, if he comes alive, I am dead, then the child will be motherless. So, I need to be alive. They ask the child also. The child also gives a similar reply. And then Buddha goes to him and revives him and tells him, Now, I am sure you heard what this talk is all about. So, life is like that. Nobody wants to die. Absolutely nobody wants to die for another person. But that is the greatest sacrifice that a person can do. You know, give your body for somebody else. Everybody is self-centered, everybody. So there are no relatives in this world who are willing to stake their bodies or for that matter their life for somebody else. It doesn't happen like that. And it's riches. You think anybody can take their riches and go to heaven? I'm sorry, nobody can. You see, even the Egyptians, when they were buried inside their tombs, with the dead bodies. They took all their riches and the servants and everybody and they built a big you know, pyramid on top of everybody. The dead body of the Pharaoh. You think any of those people actually reached heaven? No. But when the tomb was opened, there were definitely tomb raiders who came and robbed all the gold that was there. I am sure you have heard of the Tutankhamen and other tombs that were there. They all got robbed. So, <laughs> that gold is still not of any use. So, they might have taken food grains and 
so many things yes one good thing came out of it at least we now know what was in the tomb we now know what kind of embalming happened today the civilization today comes to know 3500 years ago what actually was happening oh that kind of preservation happened but nobody could take their riches away in the same way you have to use this for the benefit of others or else you will end up in tribulation and misery sri sukhdev goswami said dadichi muni the son of atharva thus resolved to give his body to the service of the demigods he placed himself the spirit soul at the lotus feet of the supreme personality of godhead and in this way gave up his gross material body made up of five elements dadichi muni controlled his senses life force mind and intelligence and became absorbed in a trance so he goes in a very deep samadhi he actually is able to take his own life the way it is described over here thus he cut all material bonds he could not perceive how his material body became separate from his self thereafter king indra very firmly took up the thunderbolt manufactured by vishwakarma from the bones of the dichi charged with the exalted power of the dichi muni and enlightened by the power of the supreme personality of godhead indra rode on the back of the carrier airavat surrounded by all the demigods while all the great sages offered him praise thus he shone very beautifully pleasing the three worlds as he rode off to kill rutasura my dear king parikshit as rudra being very angry at antaka that is yamraja had formally run towards antaka to kill him indra angrily and with great force attacked rutasura who was surrounded by the leaders of the demonic armies thereafter at the end of the satyuga and the beginning of treta A fierce battle took place between the demigods and the demons on the bank of the Narmada. O king, when all the asuras came into the battlefield, headed by Vitasura, they saw King Indra carrying the thunderbolt and surrounded by the Rudra, Vasus, Adityas, Ashwini Kumars, Pitas, Vahinis, Maruts, Ribhus, Sandhyas, Vishwadevs. Surrounded by his company, Indra shone so brightly that his effulgence was intolerable to the demons. many hundreds and thousands of demons demigods yakshas rakshasas and others headed by sumali and mali resisted the armies of king indra which even death personified cannot easily overcome among the demons were namuchi sambhara anarva drivudra rishabha asura hayagriva sanskriti shankusira viprachiti ayomukha puloma rishaparva Praheti, Heti, and Utkala, roaring tumultuously and fearlessly like lions, these invincible demons, all dressed in golden ornaments, gave pain to the demigods with weapons like clubs, bludgeons, arrows, barbed darts, mallets, and lances, armed with lances, tridents, axes, swords, and other weapons like satgnis and bujundis. The demons attacked from different directions and scattered all the chiefs of the demigod armies. As the stars in the sky cannot be seen when covered by dense cloud, the demigods being completely covered by the network of arrows falling upon them one after the other could not be seen. The shower of various weapons and arrows released to kill the soldiers of the demigods did not reach them because of the demigods acting quickly cut the weapons into thousands of pieces in the sky. 
As the weapons and the mantras decreased, the demons began showering mountain peaks, trees and stones upon the demigod soldiers. But the demigods were so powerful and expert that they nullified all the weapons by breaking them to pieces in the sky before. When the soldiers of the demons commanded by Vrittasura saw that the soldiers of the King Indra were quite very well, having not been injured at all by their volley of weapons, not even by trees, stones and mountain peaks, the demons were very much afraid. When insignificant person uses rough words to cast false angry accusations against saintly persons, their fruitless words do not disturb great personalities. Similarly, all the efforts of the demons against the demigods who are favorably situated under the protection of Krishna were futile. So now a philosophical talk over here. So far we were thinking about the demons and Rakshasas and everybody trying to fight the war. So description and now a little bit of philosophy. What is the philosophy talking about? It is talking about insignificant persons when they use rough words to cause to cast false angry accusations against saintly persons. Saintly people are there in this world and anybody who says anything against them, you know, people do things to spite another person. They say things which are going to be very, very bad. They keep on calling them names. They say a lot of things which are bad for them. So what happens to these kind of people? These are called insignificant people. Their fruitless words do not disturb the great personality. The saintly people or the great personalities should never get disturbed by what people say or do. You see, there are so many people. It is like we say, you know, the barking dogs, you know, they, they keep on barking. Why do you want to bark back at them? See, if somebody keeps on just yelling at you constantly or saying something bad at, to you, as a saintly person, why do you want to bark back at them? Then what is the difference between you and them? So you should always remain quiet and not bother about these kind of people because they are insignificant people. They are not people who are of a higher stature. So they are like the dogs outside, you know. So you let them be. So similarly all efforts against these demons, you know, against the demigods, because Krishna had told them these kind of things, what kind of weapons were issued to them, so they were able to save them off. The Asuras were never, near, never devotees of Lord Krishna. The Supreme Personality of God had lost their pride in fighting. When they found all the endeavors futile, leaving aside their leader even in the very beginning of the fight, they decided to flee because all their prowess has been taken away by the enemy. Seeing the army broken and all the Asuras, even those known as great heroes, fleeing the battlefield out of intense fear, Vrittasura, who was truly a great-minded hero, smiled and spoke the following words. According to his position and the time and the circumstances, Vrittasura, the hero among heroes, spoke words that were much appreciated by thoughtful men. He called to the heroes of the demons, O Viprachitti, O Namichi, O Puloma, O Maya, Anarva, Sambara, Please hear me and do not flee. Ritasura said, All living entities who have taken birth in this material world must die. Surely, no one in this world has found any means to be saved from death. Even providence has not provided a means to escape it. Under the circumstances, death being inevitable, if one can gain promotion to the higher planetary system 
and be always celebrated there by dying a suitable death what man will not accept such a glorious death so even in the mahabharata the same words were used they were saying that you have to face death when it is important and you have to face it in such a way with dignity you should never run away from the battlefield at such point in time rutasura is also telling his associates the same thing there are two ways to meet glorious death and both are very rare one is to die after performing mystic yoga especially bhakti yoga by which one can control the mind and living force and die absorbed in the supreme personality of godhead the second is to die on the battlefield leading the army and never showing one's back these two kind of death are recommended in the shastras as glorious the first is to become completely devoted to shri krishna only think about him at the time of death so when you think only about the lord at the time of death that is a bhakti mark you will attain him after you die and the second one is to valiantly fight against your enemy without turning back means not being afraid you should be able to face the enemy and should be able to fight the enemy so we have ended the chapter 10 so what we will do is we'll continue with chapter 11 is a transcendental qualities of ritasura but the demon had transcendental qualities so let us see what they say sri sukhdev goswami said o king ritasura the commander in chief of the demons advises lieutenants in this principle of religion but the cowardly demonic commanders intent upon fleeing the battlefield were so disturbed by fear that they could not accept the words so ritasura is teaching his demons you don't be afraid don't be afraid there are only two ways of dying in the battlefield one is to take the name of the lord and become his bhakt and then die and the second one is to face the enemy properly but what happens to the demons they try to run away working perikshit the demigods taking advantage of the favorable opportunity presented by time attacked the army of the demons from the rear and began driving away the demonic soldiers scattering them here and there as if their army had no leader seeing the pitiable condition of the soldiers vrittasura the best among the asuras who was called indra shatru the enemy of indra was very much aggrieved unable to tolerate such reverses he stopped and forcefully rebuked the demigods speaking the following words in an angry mood so what these demons are trying to run away and what do the what do the gods do they fire them from behind okay which is not a right thing to do or demigods these demonic soldiers have taken birth uselessly indeed they have come from the bodies of their mother exactly like stool what is the benefit of killing such enemies from behind while they are running in fear one who considers himself a hero should not kill any enemy who is afraid of losing his life such killing is never glorious nor can it promote one to the heavenly planet so vrtasura is telling the demons why do you want to kill somebody who is running away from the battlefield see even in our life there are many a times when we face people and there are certain people who are slinking away they don't want to fight you they just want to go away from there at that point in time you should never fire them from behind you know that is a very sneaky way of doing things never do that so this is what he is trying to tell the demigods says don't fire at them from behind and don't try to kill them when they are running away from the battlefield that is not good enough oh insignificant demigods if you truly have faith in your heroism 
If you have patience in the cores of your heart and if you are not ambitious for sense gratification, please stand before me for a moment. So Vrittasara says, if you have the guts, you know, like they say in the Hindi film, something like that, that dialogue. Think about Vrittasara saying this dialogue over there in the battlefield. So he tells the demigods, see, you should not be doing this. You should fight me. I am standing in front of you. Sukhdev Goswami said, Vrittasura, the angry and the most powerful hero, terrified the demigods with his snout and strongly built body. Then he roared with a resounding voice. Nearly all living entities fainted. When all the demigods heard Vrittasura, Stumultus roar, which resembled that of lion, they fainted and fell to the ground as if struck by thunderbolts. As the demigods closed their eyes in fear, Vrittasura taking up his trident and making the earth tremble with a great strength, trampled the demigods. Beneath his feet, on the battlefield that way, a mad elephant tramples hollow bamboos in the forest. Seeing Vrittasura's disposition, Indra, the king of heaven, became intolerant and threw at once one of his great clubs, which was extremely difficult to counteract. However, as the club flew towards him, Vrittasura easily caught it by his left hand. King Parikshit, the powerful Vrittasura, the enemy of King Indra, angrily struck the head of Indra's elephant with that club, making a tumultuous sound on the battlefield. For his heroic deed, the soldiers on both sides glorified him. Struck with the club by Vrittasura, like a mountain struck by the thunderbolt, the elephant Airavat felt feeling great pain and splitting back from its broken mouth was pushed back 14 yards. In great distress, the elephant fell with Indra on his back. You can visualize this whole thing happening in front of you, you know. Vrittasura is standing and giving him one box on the on the elephant's head and the elephant is flying 14 feet away, you know, yards away and falling over there and Indra who is sitting, mighty fellow on top of that, is falling down. It's a very interesting scene out there. When he saw Indra's carrier elephant thus fatigued and in, injured and when he saw Indra's morus, because his carrier has been harmed in that way, the great soul Vrittasura following religious principle, refrained from again attack, striking Indra with the club. So remember, he is following his own principles, which are basically never to fight a person who has fallen down. Taking this opportunity, Indra touched the elephant with the nectar-producing hand, thus relieving the animal's pain and curing the injuries. Then the elephant and Indra both stood silently. O king, when the great hero Vrittasura saw Indra, his enemy, the king of the killer of his brother, standing before him with a thunderbolt in his hand, desiring to fight, Vrittasura remembered how Indra had cruelly killed his brother. Thinking of Indra's sinful activities, he became mad with lamentation and forgetfulness. Laughing sarcastically, he spoke as follows. See, in the most harrowing of the circumstances, you should never forget what is the reason for getting into the battle. What happens to human beings is, we forget the reasons. And how does a person forget the reason? Anger is the thing that makes us forget the reason. When you are supposed to be fighting for a particular cause, the fight is important, not anger. Because anger will bring delusions to you and then you will be lost, isn't it? So that is the reason why even in the worst case scenario, like in in case where we are, let us say, in our personal life also, we are tackling somebody, whether it is a boss or whoever it might be. At that time, you should not lose your cool. Never lose your cool. 
you should remember the reason why you are standing in front of him and fighting with him it is important to say the right things and to fight the enemy properly in the proper perspective what happens if you think about all other things your mind is going to go in a turmoil and you are going to forget the reason why you are fighting there and then everything will be lost so what happens shri buttasura said he who has killed a brahmana he who has killed a spiritual master indeed he who has killed my brother is now by good fortune standing before me face to face as my enemy o most abominable one when i pierce your stone like heart with my trident i shall be freed from the debt of my brother so vrittasara knows that this is a person who has insulted his guru is not got up so the guru has vanished he also knows how indra was responsible for killing his brother so he says i will show you how i can pierce you with your with my trident only for the sake of living in the heavenly planets you killed my elder brother a self realized sainless qualified brahmana who has been appointed as your chief priest remember the story isn't it so in the previous chapters the person who becomes the priest of the gods is killed by the same person by indra himself so he he was your spiritual master but although you entrusted him with the performance of your sacrifice you later mercilessly severed his head from the body the way one butchers an animal indra you are bereft of all shame mercy glory and good fortune deprived of these good qualities by the reaction of your fruitive activities you are to be condemned even by the man eaters that is rakshasas now i shall pierce your body with my trident and after you die with great pain even fire will not touch you only the vultures will eat your body you are mentally you are naturally cruel if other demigods unaware of my prowess follow you by attacking me with the raised weapons i shall sever their heads with their sharp trident with those heads i shall perform a sacrifice to bhairava and the other leaders of the ghost along with their hordes but in this battle you cut off my head with your thunderbolt and kill my soldiers o indra o great hero i shall take great pleasure in offering my body to the other living entities such as jackals and vultures i shall thus be relieved of my obligation to the reaction of my karma and my fortune will be received by the dust of the lotus feet of the great devotee like narad muni so the demon knows very well what he is supposed to do he says i will kill you but even if i die even if you use your thunderbolt and if i die i will ensure that my body is is eaten by all these vultures and these kind of creatures so that my i reach the heavens and my karma gets eroded o king of demigods since i your enemy am standing before you why don't you hurl your thunderbolt at me although your attack upon me with your clubs was certainly useless like a request for money from a miser the thunderbolt you carry will not be useless you need not have doubts about this so vrittasura knows very well you know the thunderbolt which was created by the vajras you know that particular weapon the dichi munis you know bones is going to kill him he knows that very well so he says why don't you take that weapon and start you know start your things throwing it towards me so that i get killed O Indra, King of Heaven, the thunderbolt you carry to kill me has been empowered by the prowess of Lord Vishnu and the strength of the Dichi's austerities. Since you have come to kill me in accordance with Lord Vishnu's order, there is no doubt that I shall be killed by the release of your thunderbolt. 
Lord Vishnu has sided with you. Therefore your victory, opulence and all the good qualities are assured. By the force of your thunderbolt, I shall be freed of material bondage and shall give up this body, this world of material desires, fixing my mind upon the feet of Lord Sankarsana. I shall attain the destination of such great sages as Narad Muni, just as Lord Sankarsana had said. That is Balram, if you recollect. Balram, Sankarsana or Adishesh, the snake, you know. So, he says, Ki, don't worry, you can kill me. I am anyway taking the name of the Divine Lord. So anyway, when I am taking the name of the Divine Lord, I will go towards Him alone. Persons who fully surrendered at the lotus feet of Supreme Personality of Godhead and always think of His lotus feet are accepted and recognized by the Lord as His own personal assistants or servants. The Lord never bestows upon such servants the brilliant opulence of the upper, lower or the middle, middle planetary system of the material world. When one possesses material opulences in any of the three divisions of the universe, his possessions naturally increases enmity, anxiety, mental agitation, pride and belligerence. Thus, one goes through such endeavour to increase and maintain this possession and he suffers great unhappiness when he loses them. Now, what kind of people are there in this world? Those who pray only to the Divine, the Divine Lord, and the rest of them who are basically interested in going to various heavens. Those who are interested in going to various heavens, there are three kinds of heaven, the higher order, the middle order and the lower order of heavens. So when they go to these kind of heavens, the envy, pride and everything is still going to be there because what is happening over there is they are just taking a small wake or a vacation and coming back again onto this earth in a different body altogether. But their karma continues. And because the karma continues, they have to keep on going up and down like this in the cycle of life. Whereas those who take the divine name of the Lord, they only go to Him. They are nowhere going to any of these heavens or any of these planetary systems. That is known by the demon, Uttasura. O Lord, the Supreme Personality of Godhead forbids His devotee to endeavor uselessly for religion, economic development and sense gratification. O Indra, one can thus infer how kind the Lord is. Such mercy is obtainable only by the unalloyed devotees, not by persons who aspire for material gains. Those who are devoted to Krishna, completely devoted to Krishna, they are not bothered about any religion. No religion comes in their way. These people are least bothered about religion. They don't do any kinds of religious rites, worships, prayers, going to any temples or bowing down to any gods, they don't do any of those things. They know all the demigods, all the gods that are there in this universe are useless. So they do not follow any religious principles. Second, they do not think in terms of their economic development. They don't think in terms of making billions and trillions and zillions in their world. They are basically doing their duty which the Lord has given to them. And they are not interested in sense gratification. They are not after anything for the purpose of I want to eat this, I want to drink that, I want to get married, I want to settle down, I want to get make so much of money. They are least bothered about these kind of things. So those who are the devotees of Lord Krishna or those who are believing in Father in Heaven, they are least bothered about all these three things. First is they are not bothered about any kind of religion. So you will find that even in Christianity, Jesus Christ just told them to father, follow the Father in heaven. He never told them to do any of the rituals or the rites or this or that or any of those things. He never said to anybody in this world that you have to follow something like this. 
No need. He said, just believe in the Father in heaven. That's it. You don't have to do anything else. Same way, in Krishna's domain also, it's the same thing. The teachings are the same. Herein, very clearly, it is mentioned that don't bother about going after any religious principle. There is no need of going to any church or religious places or temples or God knows what. And you have to pray over there. He says, don't bother about all these things. Nothing like that has to be there. Secondly, he says, there is no need of any economic development. You are not supposed to be thinking in terms of what you are supposed to do, how much you are getting, not those kind of things or sense gratification. So, such kind of devotees will have unalloyed devotion and they are not bothered about any kind of material gains. Oh my Lord, oh Supreme Personality of Godhead, will I again be able to be the servant of your eternal servant who finds shelter only at your lotus feet? O Lord of my life, may I again become their servant so that my mind will always think of your transcendental attributes. My word always glorify those attributes and my body always engaged in the loving service of your Lordship. So Vrittasura is asking the dear Lord, he is saying, if I die like this, will I not get your lotus feet? Will I not be able to come to you? Will I not be able to do become a servant of your servant so that I can be in your heaven, Goloka, and be happy forever? O my Lord, Source of all opportunities. I do not desire to enjoy in Dhruvaloka, the heavenly planet or the planet where Lord Brahma resides. So he says, I don't want to go to any of these heavens. Nor do I want to be the supreme ruler of any of the earthly planets or the lower planetary systems. I do not desire to be the master of the powers of mystic yoga. Nor do I want liberation if I have to give up your lotus feet. So he says, I don't want anything that, that is the benefits that are there. No heavens. I don't want to go to any heaven. I don't want to be the king. I don't want to come back to this earth again. To be again suffering from heaven, you know, uh, death and birth and so on and so forth. Oh Lord, aside one, as baby birds that have not yet developed their wings always look after their mother to return and feed them. As small calves tied with ropes always anxiously the time of milking, when they will be allowed to drink the milk of their mother, or as a Muru's wife, whose husband is away from home, always longs for him to return and satisfy her in all respect. I always yearn for the opportunity to render direct service unto you. So Vrittasura has said these very beautiful words. Oh my Lord, my Master, I was wandering throughout this material world as a result of my fruitive activities. Therefore, I simply seek friendship in your association of your pious and enlightened devotees. My attachment to my body, wife, children and home is continuing by the spell of your external energy. But I wish to be attached to them no longer. Let my mind, my consciousness and everything that I have been attached only to you. So what is the only way of getting a release? Is to be attached only to the Divine Lord. He says, can I be the associate of your associates, that is the devotee. Let me be the devotee of your devotee. And then only I will be able to be your friend. Uh, You will be my friend and I will be with you. And I don't need any kind of enlightenment. I just want to be with you. So he says, all these material worldly things like body, wife, child and home, they keep you trapped. You know, the Lord's energy, which is called Maya, it keeps a person trapped in all this life. So he says, I don't want any of these kind of benefits in my world. So kindly take me away so that I can be with you forever and ever. So this is the end of chapter 11 of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So we will stop over here. Can you stop?